This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor David Kogel. Well, it's good to be able to be back here teaching on Wednesday night. The pastor asked me about, I don't know, a couple of months ago. I'd be interested in teaching in January and February, and I always take him up on it because I enjoy doing it. And uh, I didn't know what I was going to teach on, and I'm Put a lot of thought into it, prayed about it. And one day, just like the Lord said, what is your name? I said, David, that's what you need to do. I said, okay. So I began to put it together, and um, I've enjoyed putting these lessons together. Did everyone get a handout tonight for the lesson? And um, we're going to take our time with it. We may not get even through this one tonight, but... It has, we have a lot of scriptures I want you to look at, but I began to think about when I was titling the, the lessons, I said, you know, let's learn something from David's life. David has a, quite a life starting all the way back to when he was tending the sheep for his father and all the way through King David and so forth. So it's a lot a lot in the Bible. In fact, David is mentioned more times in the Bible than any other biblical character. And that's amazing. You know, many times when we hear David, we think about that one story, don't we? And that's David and Goliath when he confronted Goliath. And that certainly is a, a story that we'll talk about uh, and we'll bring out. But there's so many other things about David, I want you to learn some things with me as we look at his life. By the way, did you know David was the greatest babysitter in the Bible because he rocked Goliath to sleep? I know some of you was waiting on it, so I thought I'd throw it out there. That's right. <laughs> but you know, the Bible also records so many other events in the life of David. And I think a careful study of his life will leave us with many lessons. And I know it did me. The more I studied the Scripture and looked at it and read it, it would jump out at me and say, boy, there's one that I can learn. There's something I can do. Believe it or not, David had faults. David was a fine man. He did some outstanding things. He did some things that were just miraculous but he also did some terrible things. He committed sin. And he committed some great offenses in his life. And being in connection with Saul, King Saul, the difference was this. David was not rebellious and disobedient. David knew when he did wrong and he was quick to repent. He was quick to go to the Lord and say, I've done wrong. If he had to go to another person and say, I've done wrong. His spirit was there that he would do that and want to get things right in his life. And Saul was not like that. He was totally different. And we'll, we'll look at Saul down through the study a little bit later on, but because of David's willingness to repent, and I hate to, to start off saying here's a lesson right here. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, 
We have to be willing to repent when we are wrong. If we want to move forward in our Christian walk, all of us are going to do wrong. We're going to say something, do something that isn't right, and when we know it's not right, why don't we just get it under the blood, get it out of the way, and get to move on in the Lord. And that's what the Lord wants us to do. So David, of course, was quick to do that. Now, because I think of his willingness to repent, I want to look at that verse, and we'll look at a couple of verses in Acts chapter 13, and we'll begin reading at verse number 16. But David was called a man after God's own heart. A man after my own heart. Or, you could phrase it this way, a man whose heart was inclined towards God. You know, it's one thing for us to say, I'm a child of God, I'm a Christian, and I, I'm wanna, I want you to know that. But it's another thing for us to get up every day and thinking, you know what? I want to do please God today. I want to do more for God today. I want Him to be pleased with me. And I know i got a lot of other things going on, but my mind and my heart is still on God. And that's kind of what David was doing. David had a lot of things going on around him, but his heart was inclined toward God. Man after God's own heart. Now, who said that statement? We find it, Paul said it in Acts chapter 13 and verse number 16. And the reason why I take some time to read some of these verses in connection with that is because I found some great things that we may have skipped over and I know some of these verses that you know them by heart, but the thing is, there are some things that may jump out at you like it did me. Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand said, Men of Israel, and ye that fear God, give audience. In other words, he's saying, listen to what I've got to say. The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt, with a high arm, he brought them out of it. In other words, it was an arm above us. It was a mighty arm. And brought about the time of 40 years, suffered he their manners in the wilderness. You know what that means? Manners in the wilderness? That means God endured their habits. He put up with those things. I'm glad God puts up with us. Amen. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he could get so disgusted with us and things we say and do and act sometimes. But He puts up with us. And I'm thankful for that grace. Verse 19, And when He had de destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, He divided their land to them by lot. And after that, He gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years until Samuel the prophet. And afterward, they desired a king. You remember reading in the Bible when they got all upset because other nations had king? And they said, we want a king. And God said, well, I'm your king. Well, they wanted someone they could see. They wanted somebody they could put their eyes on. And so they desired a king. God gave them a king. Gave them Saul, the son of Sis. And that's an Israelite of a Hebrew origin a man of the tribe of Benjamin by the space of 40 years. And when he had removed him, as he moved down through time, 
after this forty years, he raised up unto them David. And we find that when he raised up David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony, and this is what he said about it, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. And when you think about that, a man after mine own heart, that's a great statement to say about somebody. And that's what he did. Now, when he made that statement, it was a true statement. It was a true statement that at that time, David was a man after God's own heart. But I'm going to tell you something. As times went on, David did wrong. David sinned. And while he was in that sin and while he was doing wrong, he wasn't a man after God's own heart then because God wasn't pleased with that. But thank goodness David could repent. And David could draw back closer to God get back the way he should be. So when he did God's will, he was a man after God's own heart. But when he's out of God's will, he needs to get some stuff straight in his life. Don't we all got to be like that? I want to be in God's will all the time, but I know good and well there are times when God's not pleased with me. He's not pleased with you. He's not pleased with the choices we make and things we say or do. It doesn't mean that He doesn't love us. He certainly still loves us. But He wants us to get those things straight, get back on the path again that we should be. So there are many spiritual lessons which we can learn from the life of David. And I hope that as we study the Scriptures tonight and, and these other lessons down the road that we'll find out why David was called a man after God's own heart. And we should strive to get to that point to where he's pleased enough with us. Say, hey, that Christian's a person after my own heart. They're doing exactly what I wanted them to do. They're serving me and they're, and they're doing everything they can to win others to Christ and, and learn some things along the way. So I kind of put in that, uh, in, your, in your picture outline there tonight, I found three pictures that I wanted to kind of put out there so that you get an idea uh, of what David is at and what he's doing. Now remember him as a shepherd boy, and that's exactly what he was. He was a young boy when he was a shepherd boy. And so I want to look at 1 Samuel and we'll look at chapter 16 for a little while because I want you to see some of the things about David. Because as things progressed and God's will was about to be done in David's life, we find in 1 Samuel 16, verse number 1, the Lord said unto Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. So at some point, we see God said, I've rejected Saul. Saul's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. I don't want him to be in that position any longer. So I've rejected him. And Samuel, 
I got a job for you. I got a mission I want you to go on. You get down there to where Jesse's at, and he has some sons, and one of them is going to be a king. So Samuel said, how can I go? Saul, if Saul hear me, he will kill me. You can imagine if Saul heard that he was coming to anoint another king, that wasn't going to go over well. The Lord said, take an effort with thee and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake. He came to Bethlehem, and the elders of the town trembled at his coming. Why do you think they did that? Because a prophet coming into a town could mean bad news. I mean, he may be coming to proclaim, hey, something's going to happen bad here. You know, they weren't excited to see Samuel come in. But Samuel, of course, makes it... uh, evident that he has come in a peaceable way. He said, Peaceably, I have come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves. Come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Elab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Elab must have been a fine young man, probably a great, nice height, good build. And Samuel's looking at it and thinking, man, this, this is the guy here. And, but the Lord said to Samuel, and notice this, look not on his countenance or on the height of his statue, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Is it a lesson there for us in there as well? I believe so. We need to realize we don't know what God is doing. We can't stand back and say, well, because it isn't this and it isn't this, then God's not in it. How do you know that? (laughs) You don't. But we have to be listening and in tune with God. And remember that statement, for God, for the Lord looked, seeth not as man seeth. We see things totally different many times than what the Lord sees. And this is the reason. Man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Aren't we bad about looking at someone and judging them just by outward appearance? We are. We shouldn't be, but it's so easy to do. We all do it sometimes. Someone's acting crazy and we're looking at them thinking, oh my goodness, they, they, there's no hope for that person. And God's looking on the heart. So we still, like I said, this, that's the way we should have church, isn't it? When these doors open up, we don't judge the people when they walk in here. We're thankful that they're here. There's an opportunity for them to hear the gospel and be saved. Who knows what they may turn out to be for the Lord. And this was the same case. So they continued with the sons. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Jesse made Shemaiah to pass by, and he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. 
And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, Well, there remaineth one. He's the youngest. He ain't much. He ain't even in here. He's, he's way out there in the field somewhere, keeping the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, You send and fetch him. In fact, we're going to sit right here and not do another thing until he gets here. <laughs> we, we're just going to wait on him because i got a good feeling about him. So we sent and brought him in verse 12. Now he was ruddy and withal a beautiful countenance and goodly to look at. I was looking at that and looking it up and studying. Ruddy means actually, did you know David had reddish hair? And his, or it could have meant his countenance. But the beautiful countenance and goodly to look at means he had beautiful eyes, a pleasant countenance. In other words, he was easy on the eyes to look at. And here he comes in. Samuel took the horn of oil and he anointed him in the midst of his brethren. wonder what they thought about that. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Now that's an important statement. Because when God is in something, the Spirit of the Lord is there too. Amen? And now they've anointed him and the Spirit of the Lord has come upon him. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Now, something interesting about the Spirit of the Lord here. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And notice what happened. An evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. Now, that doesn't mean a demonic spirit. The Lord certainly isn't sending no demonic spirit. But when He talks about that spirit, that spirit turned out to be when you saw you was around Saul, he had rage, he had fear, he had despair, he had envy over David. All of these type of things you would see in his character after this spirit is upon Saul. And then the very opposite on David. You would find that the spirit that was on David would be a kind spirit would be a wonderful spirit, be, be something different about him to be around him. Now look what Saul's servants notice in verse 15. The Saul's servant said unto him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. His servants recognize that. There's a difference in you, Saul. In other words, the courage is not there. The gifts that you had to qualify as king, they, they don't seem to be there now. There's something totally different about that. And so they recognize that. You know, I believe that when we're not walking in God's will and doing as we should, people can recognize our spirit sometimes and say, you know, something's troubling about you, your spirit. Something's bothering you and you... You, you, I can tell it in your face, in your actions. And it will come out when things are not right with us, between us and God. So Samuel was told, hey, you go find this person that's going to be anointed king here. And he did that. 
David was the youngest of the sons, keeping the sheep. And here he was brought before Samuel. And no telling what David thought when he, they called him in. And Samuel got that horn up and all of a sudden started pouring that oil over his head. But I believe he soon found out something's happening here because the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. So he anointed him. He's going to be the next king of Israel. And I want you to see as we continue down in chapter 16, notice in verse number 16. It says, Let our Lord now command thy servants which are before thee to seek out a man who is cunning, player on a harp, and it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee, that he shall play his hand, and thou shalt be well. That other picture down there shows David playing in heart. And that's exactly, he no doubt played it out there on the, to the sheep and sang the psalms and, and all of that, but now he's, he's got an opportunity to do something there in the, in the courtyard and where the king is at. And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well, and bring him to me. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Benjamite, that is cunning in playing, a mighty valiant man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and comely person, and I like this, and the Lord is with him. Isn't that a great thing to recognize about somebody? The Lord is with him. I think we all need to strive to be that way to where people recognize us not only as Christians, but that we're praying Christians. We're Christians that are, that are doing something for God and that He is with us and using us. And He will do that. Wherefore Saul sent messages unto Jesse and said, Send me David thy son which is with the sheep. And Jesse took an ass laden with bread and a bottle of wine and a kid and sent them by David his son unto Saul. And David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly. And he became his armor bearer. He actually does what that word says. He carried his lance, his sword, his shield, but not, not only that, David became a trusted person to Saul. Anything that he needed done, if he felt comfortable that David was there and able to go do it, he'd ask him to do it. He felt like he was a, a person that he could find favor in. So Saul sent to Jesse and saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he hath found favor in my sight. And verse 23 says, It came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul that David would take an harp, played with his hand, so Saul was refreshed and well, and the evil spirit departed from him. In other words, Saul would be in a foul mood. Saul would be in a person you didn't want to be around. And David would be called in and start playing that harp music, and Saul would become cheerful. The grief would be removed for a little while. Saul still had his fits, 
But David would come in and, and soothe that with his playing. So God used him to do those things. So we find that even though God had rejected Saul, you remember the Scripture said that's what he did. That's what he told Samuel. I've rejected him as king. Did you know that God still allowed Saul to serve for 20 more years even though he rejected him? You know why? He's preparing David. He's getting David ready for the job. I don't believe the Lord will send us out to do anything that He doesn't prepare us for. And we, we have to do our part. We have to get on our knees and pray and ask and, and I say, Lord, I'm looking for You to, to give me the words and send me to the place and, and help me along the way. But hey, He'll do it. He'll certainly do it. So during this time that David served King Saul in his royal court, here he is playing the harp for him in those periods of, of the king's depression. But when he wasn't at the court, he wasn't there all the time. David would help his father out. He'd go back and he'd, he'd help with the sheep. So I want to look a little bit now when we draw closer to David's testimony. What did David have to say for himself that God did with him out there on the plains watching those sheep? Was God with him? Was God using and preparing him and giving him the things he needed? He certainly was. So let's look at uh, chapter 17 of 1 Samuel. And this, uh, without getting too much into his bout with Goliath now right away, but it, it, it's kind of in that frame, but then let's go back to what David said, his testimony. In verse number 32, David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth. You see, he's looking on the outward appearance, isn't he? And he is a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, and this is his testimony to him, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. Now look what David did. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defiled the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord hath that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. He couldn't fuss with that testimony. He couldn't go against it. But the wonderful thing that I like about, about what David said is this incident is back in David's boyhood. Back when he, he was a young man keeping his father's sheep. And can you imagine a mighty lion coming and taking a lamb and David standing up thinking, hey, that's my lamb. You can't have it. 
and he goes after it and gets it out of his mouth, the lion, of course, retaliates against him and he catches him by the beard and he slew him. And that account shows how great courage David had. You know what I began to think about? I think as Christians, as parents, as grandparents, don't let the devil have your children and grandchildren. Don't let him have them. Go after them. Go after them in prayer. Go after them if you have to physically and snatch them away from the devil. David said, no way, buddy. You're not going to have my lamb. I'm going to get it. And I think we not only need to pray for our children and grandchildren the day we live in, but we need to be aware of what they're involved in as much as we can. And we may have to go get them away from the devil. Amen? It may happen. And I believe the Lord expects us to, to do all we can to raise our children and grandchildren right. Look at what Galatians 1.4 says. Who gave Himself for our sins that He might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Christ died for us so that we could have deliverance of this evil world. And that same power that Christ has, He has given to us. Scripture says that same power is within us. And we are able to do things for the Lord. And He can help us do that. You know, the loss of one poor little lamb. I mean, that prompted David's bravery. Many of the shepherds would have said, hey, I've got all of these hundreds of lambs. I don't care about that one. I, let him have him. I'm not worried about that tiny little lamb. But not David. You see, David had a faithfulness for the job that he was called to do. And you're going to see that spill over in his words as he moves through his life. Everything that David was involved in, everything the Lord had him do, every place that he had him move into, he took it to be very important. And he says, you know what? I'm going to do something here for the Lord because the Lord has me here. And I think the same thing should apply to us. We don't need to step back and say, well, you know, I've been working for the Lord all these years and now I think I ought to just sit back and relax. I think until He calls us home, we're still in the battle. There's still work to do, isn't it? I don't know about you, but this world isn't getting any better. And you recognize that. So we have to be on duty as a Christian soldier, just like he was on duty for his father's sheep. And it moved him to act, to say, hey buddy, you may have taken just one of my lambs, but I'm going to get it back. And that's exactly what he did. I think we have many lessons to learn from God as we go through life. And sometimes we don't realize the importance of a situation. Even, even coming in contact with someone and thinking, you know, I didn't say much to them. But you know what? That may have been the only chance for you to witness to them. God may have brought them by you at that time. So every situation is important. Well, let's to stand back and look at it. Look at Matthew 25, 33. 
Jesus was telling that parable and he said this, His Lord said unto him, Well done, thy what? Good and faithful servant. For thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. We may think, hey, I'm, I'm insignificant. I don't do a whole lot. I can't do a whole lot. Listen, those few things are important to the Lord. And if we're faithful in the few things, you never know what He'll give us in the end result. So it's important that we're faithful. David was a lad who longed to know God in a deeper way. And that's the difference in an average Christian thing. I'm just going, I'm glad I'm going to heaven, but I'm just going to kind of float through the rest of my life. Or waking up each day saying, I want to get to know God more today than I did yesterday. I want a deeper relationship. You know, the thing about, and I'll close with this, this part in Psalms tonight, he even wrote, you may not believe this, but he wrote and said, I can't even sleep. I can't sleep until I know God has found a place in my heart. When he was in the pastures of Bethlehem, he was concerned over God's glory. Psalm 132, I believe they have that. Verse number 1, look at what he said. A song of degrees, Lord, remember David and all his affliction, how he swore unto the Lord and vowed unto the mighty God of Jacob. Now look at this. I will not come unto the tabernacle of my house. I won't even go in my house. Nor get up in my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes nor slumber to mine eyelids until I find out a place for the Lord, a habitation for the mighty God of Jacob. Lo, we heard of it at Euphrata, and we found it in the fields of the wood. We will go into His tabernacle. We will worship at His footstool. Arise, O Lord, into Thy rest, Thou in the ark of Thy strength. What great determination David had to want to know God even better. How many of us would say, I'm not even going to lay my head on the pillar tonight until I've got everything straight with God and He's got a place in my heart and I'm serving Him and He's loving me for how I'm living for Him. Amen? That, that takes a lot of determination. Most of the time, we're, we're just glad the day is over and can't wait to just move on to something else. But if we stop and think, until I find out a place, where the Lord has a habitation in my heart. Can you imagine how pleased the Lord is to hear something like that? To say, man, they're putting some importance on me. And I think we all need to do that. And I'm going to have to stop here tonight. But I think it's been good already. Amen? And we didn't get, we didn't get through half of it, I guess. But that's alright. I'm going to be like Pastor Cahoot. I'm going to take my time. And we're going to try to find out what the Lord says in this Scripture because it's all good. It's all good. And David's already taught us some great lessons. Amen? You listen to Pastor David Kogel. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.